In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers, and we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So would you please do me a favor? Can you go to podsurvey.com slash Jamie, that's J-A-M-I-E, podsurvey.com slash Jamie, and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. You guys, you can buy a lot of great things on Amazon for $100. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's pod, P-O-D, survey.com slash Jamie, J-A-M-I-E. Guys, thanks for your help. Go to podsurvey.com slash Jamie. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey friends, welcome to an episode of the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. I'm your host, Jamie, and we're starting a series today called Collaboration Over Competition. Listen, we talk about it. We talk about this idea of working together, to not pushing people down as we try to reach our goals, to collaborate, to not compete with each other, to lift each other up, to build each other up. And then we get in real life situations and think, goodness gracious, it is hard to do this. And so I wanted to talk about it. And so today is starting a series. We have five episodes where we're talking to Um, I was going to say couples, but I meant two people. We're talking to two people who work together and they may work together at different levels or whatever it might look like. You're going to see as we get to these five episodes that it's different every time. But I also hope that you see people who love each other and want to see the best come out of life for each other. So today's a fun show. We're starting out with my husband, Aaron Ivey, and my friend, Jaleesa McCreary. Uh, Both of them have been on the show before. So if you've been listening for a while, you've heard them. And they work together. Um, Aaron and Jaleesa both work at our home church, which is the Austin Stone Community Church. And so I have them share their story. I have them talk about the journey that they took towards getting where they are, the journey that they have taken in working together. Uh, Some of my favorite parts of the show that you're going to hear about how Jaleesa has felt empowered in her role through Aaron as her leader. It's not only a great conversation, there's something in here for everyone. Uh, This conversation is especially going to be really great for any of you guys who are working on a church staff. And I know you're thinking, well, that really limits because I don't work on a church staff and I listen to your podcast. As I said, there's something in here for everyone. In fact, at one point during this conversation, I was like, you guys, this is weird because it's like you're married, but I'm married to one of you and this is weird. But there's so many helpful moments that they talk about that we can translate into all of our lives that we are working alongside with someone, whether that be a relationship that's romantic or a work relationship or a parent-child relationship. So you're going to love it. I love both of these people. I adore them so much. I am married to one of them, so I love him so very much. And it was fun to have him in the studio with Jaleesa talking about how they really desire collaboration over competition. So welcome to the show, my husband, Aaron, and my friend, Jaleesa. Here we go. Jaleesa and Aaron, welcome back to the happy hour. Thanks so much, Jamie Ivey. You guys have both been on here before, Mm -hmm. and you guys are starting out our series on collaboration over competition. That's awesome. What an honor. Yeah, truly an honor. This is where we're going to fight the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) The conflict happens now. Um, 
in all honesty, when I was thinking about this series, I was like, man, I want to find someone who works together in a church setting. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I go to a church. Yeah. My husband works at a church. Yeah. <laughs> My friend works at a church. Let's do this. And so I want to start this out. Both of you have been on the show before. So if you guys haven't listened to any of their episodes, we'll put it in the show notes. Make sure you go listen to them. Jaleesa, it's been a Especially long hers. time yeah. since you were on the show. Yeah, this is fun. But it's worth it. To go Did back you do and something wrong? Is that why it's yeah, been Yeah, I've been blacklisted oh. mm. until this moment. Canceled. <laughs> um, but I would like for you guys to share um, what you do at your job and then we'll, want to tie into how y'all work together. So, mm-hmm. Jaleesa, we'll start with you. Yeah. So, I am the worship team manager at our church, um, which involves overseeing all of our worship leaders. We're a large church, six congregations. There's a worship leader that's placed at each of those congregations to oversee those people and care for them, and I get to care for those worship leaders and lead them and empower them and, and disciple them. And then I lead worship at the downtown campus of our church. So I'm kind of balancing a couple of things. I love it. Yeah, that's fun. Aaron? I am the pastor of worship and creativity. So I get to um, lead and serve all six teams that make up creative team, which is design, comms, film, worship, music, and production. Mm-hmm. And then I also lead downtown mm-hmm. when she's not leading. Wow. You guys do a lot. Nah. Sort of. <laughs> I mean, no. No, not at all. <laughs> um, okay, well, I want to go back and start a little bit from the beginning. And so, Jaleesa, I want you to tell us when you first started working at the Austin Stone mm-hmm. and what was your job? Because what I know from being an insider and being married to Aaron mm-hmm. Ivy is that you have had a lot of different positions along the way. Mm-hmm. And... This conversation can sometimes feel weird because we're talking about a church, mm-hmm. but a church also employs people yeah. and a church always also promotes people mm-hmm. and a church also, you know what I mean? And yeah. so there, there is this ladder that, that you have been moving up on that. Yeah. And so I want to hear when you first got to the Austin Stone, what were you doing? Yeah. This is a great story too. It's, I love this It's story. fun to reflect on and it's, I feel like it's a really helpful question, especially because there are a lot of people who these days want to make a career of worship leading. Mm. And I didn't go looking for that or expect it. And I don't know, it's a good reminder for me that sometimes you have a thing that you aspire to and it just takes time. Mm -hmm. Um, But so I came to the Austin Stone, I probably started attending in like 2009, 2010. And then I came on in 2011 as an intern. So I just thought, you know, I need a communications internship for my degree plan and church people are nice. And so maybe they'll <laughs> give me a job. So you thought. <laughs> so I thought. Um, and so I thought I would just do a semester long thing and kind of be done. So I came in working for our internship program itself, doing social media marketing for them, which is wild to think about now. No one would let me manage any social media now. <laughs> I don't think I even knew <laughs> like, that. Why? Were you at Texas State? I was at Texas State, yeah. Okay. So I did like three days a week, I would drive up to Austin. Got it. Um, and work for this ministry and that semester came and went and I didn't feel it was the first time I was really being challenged spiritually like the first time I was being discipled so I didn't feel like I wanted to discontinue that but I wasn't content doing social media stuff anymore I missed people I was realizing how relational I was Um, and so then I moved into a role that was caring for interns church-wide and there were some I mean, I did that for a few years, and there were some semesters where we would have like 100 interns at our Mm -hmm. church, and I got to teach them how to raise support and talk to their moms when they freaked out that they were raising support (laughs) and um, coach and counsel and and do all of that uh, for probably about three years I worked for that team. 
um, started leading worship somewhere in there just for fun, just as a means of serving the church and our yeah. students' ministry. Mm-hmm. I had never done it before. I had had a voice surgery. I didn't think singing was on the table for me. So I just said, I'll do some background vocals here and there, and then ended up doing that for two years. Um, serving in our students' ministry at one of our campuses. Um, And then I worked for our counseling center for a couple of years doing counselor care and client care. Um, We have a lot of locations of counseling centers, so um, needed someone to oversee all of that. So I did that for a couple of years and then came on full-time with our worship team. And I don't really know how long ago that was. And even since then, even since you came on full-time with worship team, I mean, that you went through like, you know, seven out of ten departments at the church, it sounds like. (laughs) And then... Even when you started leading worship, yep. your journey to getting where you are now has taken yeah. a lot of steps because you were doing student ministry. Yep. Uh, were you leading with Brett? I was leading with a guy named Caleb. Caleb. Yeah. And you were doing that. Yeah. And then you started leading on your own. Mm-hmm. And so just give me the little bit of background of where you got to where you're now the director of all of the worship leaders. Yeah. I started... I my kind of like peripheral I did I was sort of part-time with our worship ministry while I was doing all those other jobs so I was focusing primarily on the development of women for leading worship which I realized I'm really passionate about um and so kind of started doing that finding women across our church who wanted to lead worship and equipping them to do that mm-hmm. so I was doing that and then when I was brought on full-time that remained a part of my role and we also made me the director of events so at the mm-hmm. time <laughs> we were doing a lot of events yeah um and pre-covid pre-covid yeah. events yeah. were rocking yeah so many events and so I was overseeing nights of worship uh creative gatherings intensives so it's like our mini conference mm-hmm. our big conferences um this is like 2000 15, Probably, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, so I managed our events for a handful of years. I mean, maybe five years yeah. of doing event management. But I had, and thankfully I work where I work and have bosses like Aaron. But I said, You're my boss. If <laughs> I'm not your boss, that's not real. <laughs> Even though no, Amos doesn't know that. He thinks I'm your boss. <laughs> I got to tell you that story. <laughs> it's yeah. really good. Um, but I felt very heard when I said, I'm totally down to do the events thing because I care about gathering and I'm, I feel like an administrative person, but if I can't be discipling people and equipping people to lead worship, then I won't be satisfied. Mm -hmm. And I really felt heard in that. So kind of all along the way, I got to continue investing in people and pouring into them. Um, I led with Aaron at our downtown campus for six years and And (laughs) a long time. That's a long time. It's a long time. And then we started having conversations about me stepping out of that and mm-hmm. building my own team right. and leading at other campuses of our church. And you're like, I don't want to do and that. And I said, hard pass. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for considering me, but no thanks. <laughs> um, and thankfully the Lord uh, spoke pretty clearly about that after I asked all of my Enneagram six questions. So A lot of questions. So many questions, mm-hmm. a crap ton of questions. Um, and so started rotating campuses, did that for four years, and then felt like I really want to settle in one spot mm-hmm. with my band. And so the Lord made a way for me to stick with downtown. And then me leading our worship leaders is I'm two months into yeah, it. It just started new, at the yeah. beginning of August. Yeah. Roll. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. 
I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music. Just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Okay, Aaron Ivy. Yeah. Give us the little version of you how you got to where you are with your job. Okay, so Ivy's moved here in 2008. Mm-hmm. And when I came to Austin Stone, there was one congregation. Yeah. We were downtown. It was a church of about 1500 people, 1800 people. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't um any sort of like worship ministry. It was just contract out some worship leaders and pay some musicians yeah. to lead. And so I didn't come as a pastor. We um, came to the stone, uh, really just to like find healing and community again. Yeah. Uh, we were kind of coming out of a season of being really burnt out and n- unconnected to church. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first couple of years I would lead worship downtown for, you know, 15, 20 Sundays. There was another worship leader on staff too. And I didn't have this role on my radar yeah. either. Um, it kind of just, became what it is um so then came on staff full-time and, and you're still traveling too was like still traveling yep. as a band right. Yeah. right uh and then eventually came on staff full-time as um as a worship pastor and had to figure out um what that meant and how mm-hmm. to how to be a good like shepherd of people and also how to build a team because there was no team yeah. and so i remember leading downtown i don't remember the timeline on this it's somewhere in in the story that you mentioned i remember hearing about this woman that was at West Campus Mm -hmm. volunteering and leading in student ministry. And I just kept hearing all these stories of like, she's awesome, her voice is amazing. Uh, But more than that was like, she's just so all in. She's super faithful. Um, She loves Jesus. She was serving every single, like every single Mm -hmm. Sunday, really, in student ministry, Uh, which is a volunteer position. You know, you don't get a whole lot of like credit or applause for being a volunteer in student ministry, but she was like crushing it and just super faithful. And so I reached out to Caleb, the guy that you were leading with, and I was like, hey, we need a female worship leader downtown. Can I, can can we like talk about (laughs) how to like release her from there and have her come and lead our downtown congregation alongside me? And so he was cool with that, Jaleesa came. Um, I feel like you were a different person then. Yeah. Um, Not like, sure yet Mm -mm. if you could do this or if you wanted to do this but i just remember seeing like something in jaleesa that was like a spark of greatness and not just like musically or 
um, you know, lead, like singing songs, but like the spark of greatness of like being a leader and being a shepherd of people. And so slowly over time, she kind of owned that role and stepped into it. And then, you know, short version of the story is as creative team grew and also like a passion for me to, to be preaching. Mm -hmm. um, as that kind of like formed in me, I realized, hey, I don't need to be the primary worship leader downtown because there are other extremely gifted um, leaders on our team. And so I remember having the conversation with Jalisa where I was like, hey, how about you take downtown mm -hmm. and you lead downtown, you be the lead worship leader, right, for downtown, and then I'll be your backup whenever you're not leading. And so the role switched and that was like, man, when I look back on it, that was the like the best thing that's happened to downtown. It's been fun. Is you taking it? Thanks. Um, so our, our working relationship is different now. Mm -hmm. You know, she was just a part of my band um, and kind of leaned on me to lead downtown. Mm -hmm. And now she's got the mantle of our downtown congregation and just crushing it and leading it. So I get to kind of like come alongside her and support her when she needs it and then just trust her completely with leading downtown. Mm -hmm. And then eventually that turned into, hey, you're an amazing worship leader, an amazing leader. How about you take over mm -hmm. leading all of the worship leaders? Um, so she did that, uh, I guess, a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Two months ago, um, which was a big adjustment for you. Yeah, and it's a big adjustment for me yeah, too, definitely. just to kind of like not be doing that yeah. anymore. Yeah. But nobody better to do it. Thanks. And I remember telling our kids, um, they were like, "So what does Jalisa do? What do you do?" Because I think they started noticing like I'm not leading downtown as much. They're like, "What? What's up? What are you doing?" Did you get fired? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I remember telling them, "Well, Jalisa, she leads all the worship leaders now, and so I don't lead the worship leaders. She does." Mm -hmm. And I think it was Amos or Deacon that was like, so is Jaleesa your boss? And I was like, kinda, <laughs> yeah. Because she really does shepherd and lead, yeah. supervise. So funny. All, how many worship leaders do we have? Um, we have five and then two residents and three contractors. Yeah, so she's leading all of them. Yeah, that's awesome. And doing a phenomenal job. That's awesome. Well, it's been fun from an outsider to watch everything you guys just said, like come to fruition. Yeah. Obviously, I've lived it with Aaron. Yeah. And as your friend, it's been fun to watch as well. And I think I wanted to talk with you guys because there's a couple interesting things at play here. Number one, we have a great church. Like yeah. we, all three of us love our church. Yeah. Our church has been going through a lot of growth, yeah. you know, in the whole 20 years, this feels like it's been going through a lot of growth. Yeah. But even the last five or six years, and that's also brought Jaleesa, you into a new position. Mm -hmm. And so I want to start here with the dynamics of your working relationship yeah. um, as male and female. Yeah. Let's just start there. Yeah. And so how has that been with you feeling empowered by Aaron? And how has that been with you empowering this woman? And I'm a woman, so I like to talk about <laughs> women being empowered. Yeah. And so I think a lot of times people don't feel that way in church staff yeah. or totally. in church working relationships. And so I'd love to hear from you guys, like, Jaleesa, how have you felt empowered? Mm -hmm. And you mentioned a little bit, but like, yeah. how have you felt empowered? And then Aaron, what has it been like for you to empower a woman? Because we're all about that around yeah, here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I've told Aaron multiple times that I'm so glad he's married to Jamie Ivey. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know I, any other boss who would be able, who would know what to do with me. Yeah. 
You and I are similar. <laughs> and we're in a both lot of Enneagram sixes. Oh, I tell her all Aaron the time. I'm says, like, oh my gosh, Jamie does that too. You are just like and Jamie. I'm like, obviously, it makes sense. Hello, six wings. Y'all are very similar. We are yeah. a lot alike. Yeah, and I think a lot of the dudes on our team that are married are married to really strong women. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been really grateful for our corner of staff uh, because nobody seems threatened by that or intimidated by that. True. And to Aaron's point me being a different person then than I am now. I think stepping into leadership at church, I wasn't sure how women were supposed to be. Mm. And I didn't really grow up in church. Like we went on holidays and like kind of here and there. But church for me became my thing in college. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't really come with too much baggage um, from seeing women aspire to leadership and how people responded to that. But I did notice that there weren't a lot of women doing it. And so I wasn't really sure what I was supposed Mm -hmm. to be. What were the expectations? And it was probably about a year into leading with Aaron and I asked him for feedback, just how's this going? Do we think I'm any good? Or (laughs) you want to keep me around? What do you think? Um, And you said, man, I think things are going really well. I feel like you've been doing a great job. But now that I've been alongside you for a year, I'm seeing that you're far more like sassy and bold offstage than you are on stage. And it's like on stage you became tame (laughs) and mild. Yes. I was like, where'd you Lisa go? (laughs) You're like, that's not her. (laughs) Um, And I think that was the first moment that I felt genuinely encouraged because you said that unique way that you're designed is for you to leverage for your leadership. Mm. Like it's Mm. for, like the Lord did that on purpose to use to lead his people. Mm. Um, And with femininity, because I've often joked like with our worship leaders, I'm like, you guys know I'm not one of you though, right? Like everybody knows I'm a girl, like, you know, (laughs) or if I show up dressed like one of them, I'm like, it's happening, I'm fighting, (laughs) you know? Um, But I felt really empowered in that conversation in particular to, a, learn more about who I was mm-hmm. and B, not be afraid of it yeah. and allow the Lord to refine what needs refining, but use what is good and God given to lead people. Mm-hmm. That's been really huge. Mm-hmm. And when I talk to women who lead in other churches, that conversation is missing mm-hmm. and they feel like they're trying to fit into a mold. But I feel like in many ways I've been invited to kind of create the mold That's because. Good. I've been received for who I am and empowered yeah. to be female, to be strong, to be a minority. So I've been incredibly empowered. Yeah, hmm. yeah. that's amazing. And I see like the ripple effects of that are you empowering women in our church to rise yep. up as mm. leaders. Yeah. Totally. And um, with having even other worship leaders at other campuses mm-hmm. that are women. It's not like is yeah. like our little token girl yeah. over here. Like you desire, and I know Aaron does, I don't want to speak for him, but I know he does as well, desires other women to yeah. rise up as leaders as well. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Aaron, what has it been like to empower um, Jaleesa as a woman, speaking mm-hmm. of male-women relationships, mm-hmm. in our church? Yeah. I mean, I've always felt like the church in general is out of balance when mm-hmm. it comes to um, leadership and I think a lot of like you know conservative theology will kind of like will get lazy and lean on well you know mm-hmm. it's the role of um, the male to be the the pastor and so just do all the other things mm-hmm. you know and I think that's really out of balance and I think it misses an opportunity for the church to be led holistically in the way yeah. that it should be led you yeah. know and so I love being around really strong, bold, fierce women, mm-hmm. obviously. <laughs> um, our daughter is the same. Truly. You know? um, Truly. Yes. So I, I really love that. And I don't just love it. Like, I think that it is, like, crucial for yeah. 
of the body of Christ to be led um, not just by men but by women. Mm-hmm. And so I remember pushing her towards that, and I think that had to have been hard because, you know, even our church, which is great yeah. at empowering women, before you stepped in, there wasn't a very long history, no. uh, or maybe any history, yeah. of women leading like from the platform in a Sunday yeah. kind of role. And um, I saw that and didn't like that. Yeah. I think something that changed for me too was like having a daughter mm-hmm. who was very bold and strong and also a singer. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I want her to be at a church where she sees, oh, wow, that's a very strong woman who's empowered to lead yeah. and to use her gifts and collaborate and work in community and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that was a shift for me too. And then just seeing that in her of going, man, there are things that she can bring to the table that I can never um, bring. There's a way that she's going to lead our downtown congregation that I can't mm-hmm. because she has a perspective and an experience that is way different. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where collaboration comes in hand, like community and not yeah. like a fake version of like, oh yeah, but I'm still the leader, but we mm-hmm. want you to kind of act like you're the leader right. and yeah. lead in this box, yeah. but to go... No, like n- no one should be intimidated yeah. or fearful of you continuing to grow mm. yeah. in your leadership of shepherding downtown mm. through through worship because yeah. like we need both voices, yeah. male and female. Yeah. And you said whenever we had the conversation initially about my shift to downtown, you said they have a lot of fathers. Mm. Like they're being they're well fathered. They need a mother. Totally. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's a space I can fill. I've always been like the mother of my friend group or the mother right. of my you know. Right. Um and I care a lot about that particular I love our church, but that demographic that's at our congregation, I'm really passionate about investing in yeah. their development of following Jesus faithfully. And so you saying that it felt like uh, there's a unique and distinct place for me that doesn't step on anybody else's place. Man, it's, yeah. it's so collaborative. Totally. When I hear you guys talk about this, one thing that it makes me really, really think of, and in this culture that we live in where we see a lot of leaders mm-hmm. really kind of like struggling for power and mm-hmm. like holding onto it so tightly that it affects their entire ministry, their family, mm-hmm. whatever. We see the downfall of leaders all the time. Yeah. And I have no research on this, but I bet it could go to a lot of them are holding really tightly on a grip. Yeah. They have a grip on something that maybe they need to loosen up on a little bit. Yeah. And so, Aaron, you said really flippantly that it wasn't hard for you at all. Um, why is it hard for some people to collaborate mm-hmm. in a way where they're saying, I'm bringing someone, and I'm going to use this in the in the best way that I can possibly yeah. say, I'm bringing someone who is in a, a lower role than mm-hmm. me up to my playing field, and yeah. we're going to work together. So there's not that power let me remind you yeah. i'm in charge to yes. yeah. so yeah. whatever we do just remember i'm in charge yeah at the end of the day aaron is your boss yeah but that collaboration how did you get to where you're okay with that and where do you think it's missing in a lot of relationships mm. specifically in the church since mm-hmm. we're talking about mm-hmm. that where there is a struggle to collaborate with whether they're a employee who is a female male relationship or like a resident versus an, a full-time staff, yeah. you know, seeing yeah, that equal. Yeah. 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 I think, um, I think it's, it's complex and I, I can in some ways like wrap my head around why some people are fearful of that. For sure. You know, um, not that it's right yeah. at all, but I can see how a person is fearful of that and one, they shouldn't be. And I think what it speaks to is like you, if you're in that spot, what you're basically saying is, 
my legitimacy and value and worth as a leader mm -hmm. means that I am the only leader and everyone else needs to kind of fall in line. Yeah. But really healthy, vibrant um, leadership, whether it's male and female or males leading males or whatever, mm -hmm. right? Healthy leadership is, no, it doesn't really matter that my value and worth is not in being your leader. What's most yeah. important is I want to see you flourish. Yeah. You know, if we, if we switched as leaders to go, it's not the most important thing that I am seen as the leader. What's more important than that is that you flourish mm -hmm. and you keep moving mm -hmm. forward and up yeah. and increasing, you know, your capacity and leadership and all that kind of stuff. That for me is where I've found value. I think yeah. most people downtown would, if you ask them and you said, who is your worship pastor downtown? Mm -hmm. They wouldn't say Aaron Ivy. They would say Jaleesa mm. because she's the most present. She's there 40 something yeah. Sundays a year. Yeah. She's making all the calls about liturgy mm -hmm. and what family prayer nights are going to look like. I'm not doing that anymore. It's Jaleesa she doing it. She gets to decide from the stage what scriptures we read. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but I Next have found, up. I think what I'm trying to say is I have found that to be way more fulfilling and way more valuable to me as a leader that she's flourishing than for me to be the one that people would say is the leader, mm. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so behind the scenes, we have to work on like collaboration mm -hmm. and I, we constantly have to go like, oh, I, she's leading this part. Yeah. Sure, I'm gonna lead this part, but she's leading this part. And there's some like give and take. It's like yeah. we're tossing the baton. Mm -hmm. And so she'll lean on me sometimes when she's like, how would you do this? Yeah. Since you did this before, yep. mm -hmm. how would you do this? And I'll offer some feedback and some suggestion, but at the end of the day, she's leading that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think people are fearful of giving any leadership away mm. yeah. because their value and their worth is rooted in, no, no, mm. I'm the leader. Mm. Yeah. And if I give it away, I'm less powerful. Yeah, yeah. which yeah. is what you're also doing, Jaleesa, when you lead the worship leaders. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're essentially doing the same thing. Like, how do I elevate them yeah. at their campuses? How do I equip them to be the best leaders possible yeah. without being like, guys, everyone remember, I'm in charge of all you guys, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, which I'm not gonna lie, there. I would sometimes feel that like in my flesh want to be like, guys, guess what? I'm in charge of all of you guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's totally. such a fleshly thing. Yeah. No, it, so, it, totally. And it's like I, I did say flippantly, like that wasn't hard. There are moments where it is hard. Yeah, yeah. I, there are moments where I'm like, man, does anybody still need me? Right. Does anybody still care? You know, the fleshly part is like, hey, does everybody know that like. I'm still like on staff here right, and yeah. I'm still like the worship pastor. Yeah. Does everybody know that like I helped build this long mm -hmm. before like that fleshly part will come out. Yeah. Um, but it gets squashed with, oh, but look at all the fruit of other people leading and stepping into places that yeah. they uniquely need to be leading. Like yeah. I just took a sabbatical. So I took a sabbatical for three months. Mm -hmm. And what I did have to guard myself against is thinking, man, okay, so my church gave me some months off and everything's fine mm -hmm. like it's moving mm -hmm. nothing's falling apart in a lot of ways it's actually growing and yeah. getting better yeah and so somebody for sure is thinking well we could save some money by not paying aaron <laughs> no. because there are leaders in place right that's the fleshly part mm -hmm. of leadership is you start to think my value and worth is rooted in what i do for people yeah. and it's just not you know um so i, I still fight that there yeah. are times where i'm like um, very, very cautious mm -hmm. about my own heart yeah. towards leadership. Yeah. And if I dig down into it every time, it's rooted in, 
I want to be noticed. Yeah. And that's where my value is. Yeah. And so you just have to squash that. Yeah. Enneagram three, speak For right sure. there. That's true. Yeah. You know, and in his sabbatical too, when he's thinking, do they need me? He's like, and I've been home with Jamie for a whole week. Like we've just been watching. Am I just stuck with her for three hundred days a year? Because I was also off. I mean, we're just watching TV like it's That's our awesome. job, right? So great. Um, you know, you talk about that that flesh does come up, and I'm glad yeah. that we had that conversation because it would have yeah. been a really fake. Uh, oh man, yeah. uh, totally. Interview of me, like, no, this is the easiest thing ever. And so, what I want to know even deeper, and yeah. Julissa, whatever it is for you as well, because yeah. you're leading as well. Aaron's yeah. not the only leader in this room. Yeah. But what does it look like? We're talking about collaboration over competition. Mm -hmm. And so that competition would be like, no, everyone needs to remember I'm in charge. Yeah. Julissa, for you, everyone needs to know I'm your boss. Just yeah. like make sure you know, like yep. every email is signed. Yeah. I am now your boss. <laughs> Step <laughs> back. Sincerely. Sincerely. <laughs> yeah. Your humble and gracious leader, <laughs> right. Julissa. Yes. Um, but in all sincerity, you know, people are listening who are in church leadership as well. Yeah. And this can be the downfall of yes. so oh, yeah. many leaders yes. in churches. And so if we're all three sitting here saying, hey, what does it look like? I would like to know practically, yeah. what does it look like to fight that? Because yeah. we all can say we need to fight it. We can all agree that it comes up yeah. more often in some seasons than we would like to admit. Yes. But I often know both of you personally and know that you fight it mm -hmm. and you fight it well as of today. Mm -hmm. How is it that you fight it? Yeah. How is it that I fight it? It's a really good question. I think, I feel like I'm in a unique space in that I stepped into a role where the person who did it before is still here. And so I have so much opportunity to learn from Aaron, but because he's still here, there are times where I'm like hoping people aren't just thinking like- <laughs> Aaron used like, to do it this way or something? Yeah, or like she's here and she's doing it, but like Aaron's still here. Oh, I got it. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, if I'm like digging down underneath the surface of those moments where I feel like the tension or I wanna go have a conversation or make a phone call, I really wanna be respected. I really wanna be taken seriously. Mm -hmm. That's been true of me my whole life. Um, I'm not a joke and I want everybody to know it. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I feel like, does anybody respect me? Like, do they, do they just think it's no big deal that I'm here like leading our team meetings and checking in on them or, you know, right. um, am I respected? And so I think the way that I fight that is I try to, to think of myself less as the person leading the worship leaders and as the person serving the worship leaders. Mm. Because if I'm only thinking about being their leader, it's gonna change the expectation that I have of them. Mm. But if I think, Dang. oh, I get up every day and I serve Jimmy McNeil, it changes the way I show up to have conversations with him. It changes the way that I listen to him. Um, and I don't wanna have conversations out of frustration. I always wanna check, and I usually will ask someone, hey, I'm having like a frustration with this particular issue. Does that sound like my pride to you? Do you think, that it's just that thing where I really want to be respected, you know, so that someone can hand it back to me and say, mm. oh, it doesn't sound like they were disrespecting you. It sounds like they're confused. It sounds like they're hurt. It sounds like, you know, um, so then I can show up and have a conversation with more compassion. But I do pray daily that the spirit would fill me, that I would be kind, that I would be compassionate, that I would be a really like present and good listener and that I wouldn't take things personally and remember that my role is to serve each of those people, mm -hmm. to see them be the person and leader that God wants them to be. I just have to make it less about myself and my strength and what I can get out of them or do for them. Yeah. I can think of a couple of examples like, you know, in the last year or so where as she's fighting it, I also, as a friend, as mm -hmm. a brother, um, but also as somebody on your team, I have to fight 
for you mm -hmm. yeah. in that yeah. and to like have your back, you know, mm -hmm. because anytime you're in a, a spot where like a team has a new leader, but the old team yes. leader is still there, mm -hmm. whether it's pastor or whatever, there are those dynamics. Yeah. And for me, I'm like, she shouldn't have to fight that alone. Mm -hmm. And so if somebody wants to, you know, sidestep her mm -hmm. and come to me, I won't let that happen. Yeah. Uh, I, I keep affirming, no, no, Jaleesa is your leader. Mm -hmm. And so you need to go work that out with her. Yeah. You know, that's, she's talking about how she fights it. I think it's important for both people to fight yeah. like for each other's role in that. And that yeah. helps with competition. Mm -hmm. Because what you could do in that moment is be like, yeah, they're still coming to me though. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm still, and you just, you have to, yeah. 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 And then all that is is competition, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And then so you start competing for, okay, but you know, who still has the most power? Mm -hmm. Who has the most influence? Yeah. And you can never have like a good team culture or collaboration. No way. If that's in there, mm. you know? I think one way that I personally fight it, um, because Jaleesa does have gifts that I don't have. Like she has some skill sets that are so much stronger than mine as a leader. And so there's a complimenting, you know, that happens yeah, in both ways. how we're both serving worship yeah. leaders and the whole creative team. But I also know there are things that she is uniquely better than me at doing. And one of the most freeing things um, for any like leader, I'm telling you the most freeing thing is to, we use this phrase a lot, we used to in our team, we need to bring it back, um, give to others what you most desire for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what is it that you crave the most for yourself? Is it fame? Is it, you know, um, applause and mm -hmm. approval? What if as a leader, you said, I'm going to choose to give that away to yeah. other people. Mm -hmm. I want their flourishing to happen. Yeah. And so for me, I used to want to be the dude. Mm -hmm. Like when people think of X, Y, Z, they think, oh, Aaron, Aaron did that. Mm -hmm. But when you choose to give what you want the most to other people, man, competition like goes away. Because yeah. it's no longer about like, how can you win? Yeah. Or how can I win? But how can we like be excellent yeah. in what we do and how yeah. can our church be like thriving and healthy you know yeah. i think if you look at most like toxic leaders mm -hmm. they all have that sense of like competition yeah. of like i want to make sure everybody knows that i'm, yeah. the, I'm, the, I'm the dude yeah mm. for sure yeah. i do feel like i've thought this from the beginning of working with you that that's a very consistent part of your leadership and personality is to give away hmm things that you could hold for yourself or even things that you really enjoy. Like you have a whole team yeah. of people that songwrite and create mm -hmm. music. You're incredible at that and you love it and you've spearheaded it, but you've invited people in and given away leadership within that. Yeah. And then the same with our worship leaders. And I think on this side of it, what I feel very honored to do is to get to step in to be a voice for our worship leaders so that you get to be a voice for our whole creative team. Mm. Because us on the worship leading side, most of us have been leading worship at our church for a long time. So we've gotten Aaron Ivy's voice for a long time. Right. And, and you have a lot of, of wisdom. We're not <laughs> sick of it. And it's time long for a change. Long enough. For. Yeah. Get him out. Exactly. No. Um, but I think there's so much wisdom and experience and inspiration that you bring that we would have been robbing our other creative ministries of mm. if you had only stayed with the worship leaders. Mm. So I think even in my service, I'm like, oh, I get to step in and wrangle this group of people so that Aaron is able to invest in 
the rest of our creative team and they get to hear from him and be mm. challenged by him and inspired by him the way that I was that got me to where I am now. That's cool. And then even downtown, I love that I get to lead as many Sundays as I do because you get to preach. Right. And that's right. that's a gifting that God has placed in you and is growing in you. And that's really fun to me to get to like fan the flame of that yeah, by like, right. I'm over here leading worship and he's over here preaching and this is freaking awesome. Yeah, don't tell anybody, but when we are, when I'm preaching and she's leading worship, we're, we're literally like, this is the best. We, <laughs> we like, love everybody else. <laughs> this is awesome. But I think it is because of the relational, so yeah. the relational yeah. dynamic of we are choosing to be for each other. Yeah. And there's there competition we're gonna we're gonna weed out. Yes. Like yeah. we're gonna intentionally pull it out. Yeah. Has no place. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yep. I like that you're talking about intentionally weeding out this competition. And I think that is something that we have to do uniquely within our own hearts, mm-hmm. I think. But I would go on a limb here and I haven't thought this through clearly, so it might be wrong. I think the best case for not having competition for two people is that have two people that agree. That we're not going to have competition. Yeah. yeah. Only one person, and it's like an uneven seesaw, you yeah. know. And yeah. so someone's yeah. really fighting hard to like give it away. Yes. And the other person's really fighting hard to keep it. Yeah. And you've got this uneven um, working environment. Yeah. And so I think I've seen you guys talk and hearing you guys talk about this like equal desire. And I know that has been a theme yeah. in what you've created, Erin. Mm-hmm. You know, you have given that away, and and um, risen, rose, and worship leaders have risen up mm-hmm. rose up yep arised <laughs> they've arised um into that same desire and calling so we talked a lot about like doing that but i i know you guys have had to work through conflict because it would be a lie if you came in here and said <laughs> yeah. we've never had conflict it's <laughs> yeah. like a marriage it's like we've never fought <laughs> right. everything's you great. guys are lying yeah. you know it's a lie and right. so working together does have to work through conflict yeah you know and so um i don't need you to throw anyone under the bus or yeah. share any crazy stories but i would like to hear from this specific work environment where you're both like, I was going to say you work for Jesus. Sometimes it gets a little <laughs> confusing when you work on right. church staff. Yeah. And we mm-hmm. all know that. You both work at the church. Mm-hmm. You both love Jesus. You both really care about each other. You both care for the flourishing of your whole like crew. But how do you guys work through conflicts as they arise between you guys? Yeah. Talk about it. Yeah. I you, feel like you want to tell the story about when I was a jerk to you? <laughs> you weren't a jerk. You were <laughs> just frustrated. You're like, tell me everything about that. Um, this was a while ago, mm-hmm. but we were, this was when I was overseeing events. This is the story you mean? Yeah. Okay, just checking. <laughs> I was like, You're like, which one? <laughs> oh, let me count. No. Um, they're few and far between. Uh, I was overseeing our events and we were doing an intensive, which is like a mini conference. We have, you know, like 50 worship leaders come in to hang out with our team. We need to bring that back, by the oh, way. Oh, we are. It's my favorite thing. I meet people when I travel. Yeah. And they're like, I met your husband. I'm like, where? And they're like, at your house. Uh, you're I'm like, cool. was I there? Yeah. And he's like, I don't think so. But we were in this barn and all mm-hmm. the things. You're so. like, yeah, I cool. live there. Uh-huh. That's yeah, cool. that's my house. Yes. That's one of my favorite I was inside and, like taking a bath and you guys were working. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. You went to bed yeah. early. You were yeah. reading a book. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so we were doing one of those and it was, they were two day long things, but they usually ended with a dinner at your house. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I was responsible for kind of getting all of our decorations and catering and all of that stuff out to y'all's place and we got out there and I had forgotten the decor box <laughs> and Aaron was like well we're at the tablecloths and like you know uh where, where's the decor like, that was know? an Enneagram three mode of like it was this so isn't gonna three. be awesome what happened it was so three right. and in the moment I was like crap like I have totally dropped the ball and messed up and I had someone coming that was bringing it but it was just later than that was we a kind of a jerk. Yeah. yeah 
I don't think you were a jerk. Um, he but you told were, me about it, actually. He did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was genuinely frustrated. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is fine. Like, we'll talk about it later. Like, and I know you well enough to know it didn't feel like you're coming for me. It felt like I was threatening one of your values. Right. <laughs> and so no, totally. that's a different thing. Um, and so I was like, okay, you know, and then I think I was in y'all's kitchen and I was like washing something and you came in and you said, hey, I'm really sorry. And I said, what for? And you were like, I was such a jerk outside over the decorations thing. You've done so much and I'm so grateful for everything yep. that you have done. And so I'm really sorry that I got so frustrated about mm. that. And I said, I understand why you would and that's okay and thank you so much for apologizing you know um so i think things like that are moments like that are really beneficial i think what what stands out to me about that moment is not the conflict itself it's the resolution of it Mm. like the Mm -hmm. fact that you came and said i'm really sorry for the way that i handled that is what stands out to me more than i messed up and forgot the decor box and right right well and for you too it's like you were willing to drop it afterwards you know you didn't yeah I'm sure you remembered the date and the hour that it happened. So unfortunate, my memory. But you were gracious enough <laughs> so to to let it drop. There yeah. was resolution, yeah. and then there was like movement forward. Yeah, and that was like really kind to do that. Sure. To me, yeah. you know, I think so much about conflict happens when there's not like clear expectations for yes. the role that each person plays. Definitely. And so I think there is conflict where maybe you didn't know that I expected that. Right. Or you could have conflict with me because mm-hmm. you're like, hey, I expected something, but I didn't know you expected that. Yeah. So we try to be super clear about like, yeah. what can Jaleesa expect to get from me right. in my role? Yeah. And what can I expect to get from Jaleesa? Definitely. And that helps like, honestly, like keep conflict from even happening yeah a lot of the times yeah i feel like it's rarely a conflict and more of a conversation totally. and i think each of us is proactive enough to even because we're sharing sundays downtown I'm gonna like make a first pass at what the year could look like in terms of who leads what days and then hand it to you and ask you what you think of it rather than a moment of being like, well, I'm in charge of the worship leaders now. So like here right. are the dates you're gonna leave. <laughs> no, like, totally. Sorry, man. But you, know? you could do that. You have every every reason and right to do that. But you're right, you don't. I would not. And do that, that. well, I mean you could. Yeah. Can you send them to me? So then yeah, I can yeah, let yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You tell me. I would love to be a part when of that. When is conversation. he here? When is he preaching? Yeah. You know, as I listen, um, you said something so cagely. So you said I was really touching on one of his values. Yeah. And I think a lot of times when you're in I mean, as you guys are talking, it's really like weird over here because this is my husband. I'm like, this is like a marriage. <laughs> this is like how you work out complicated marriage. Good friendship is. should be just as deep. Exactly. Yes. You know? And so I'm just like, it is. There's so much truth here of working together, of like understanding like he's not coming at me right now. Yeah. I'm hitting one of his values and I'm going to not come back at him because right. I know we're going to resolve this. Yeah. And for even accepting an apology, yeah. you know, and like, oh yeah, he should apologize. Yeah. He messed up. And yeah. then um, understanding that. And I think that comes from years of collaboration yeah. over competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it is just, you're building a foundation on top of that foundation so that when someone forgets the decor box, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a moment, yeah. but it is easily, it is easily solved. Yeah. Um, I am just over here. Literally, I was thinking like, I'm so proud. I'm like proud of both of y'all. I'm proud of my husband. I'm proud of you as a friend. I mean, I always say we go to a really amazing church and 
and everyone's I'll get messages sometimes like I'm coming to Austin which campus should I go to mm-hmm. and I'm like uh, duh <laughs> downtown <laughs> the one Jaleesa's at <laughs> the one Jaleesa's at <laughs> oh my um, gosh so everyone come visit and come say hi to Jaleesa yeah. and you'll talk yeah. to them after I mean don't think Jaleesa really is like this like I'm running to the back to the green room <laughs> Jaleesa will be your friend no, she actually out. likes people I do yeah like and I mean I Aaron can attest to this I all three of us in here get the joy and honor of also ministering outside of our local yeah. church. And so when I do that, there are so many times I text Aaron, I'm like, you better be grateful uh-huh. for Jaleesa. <laughs> no, all the time. That's so nice. You know? She's and like, then, Jaleesa needs more money. She can't yeah. ever leave. And so then nice. when I get the privilege to lead with you, yeah. because I do get that honor yep. to stand on a stage and preach and yeah. you lead worship at places. And um, I just, I text yeah. Aaron and I'm like, it is, it it's is awesome. amazing. It's so so I understand why you love it, Aaron. Uh-huh. So fun. I love it. Um, okay, I want two more questions for mm-hmm. you guys before we go. I'd love to hear, because you guys are both musicians and artists, who, and your worship leaders yeah. at our local church who has influenced you the most um i had two questions i was going to give you and i don't know if they're same or different i was going to say as an artist and then as a worship leader mm-hmm. do you have maybe it's the same maybe it's different yeah so i met jesus in college mm-hmm. um and somebody told me about a worship leader named charlie hall nice. and so i was a freshman in college and hands down he has been one of the most formational mm. creatives, artists, songwriters, worship leaders. Um, I fell in love with Jesus at Passion that he was leading That's at. Cool. And so, I mean, without any question, that that is a person who um, just formed me, even though he didn't know he was, mm-hmm. and from a distance. Yeah. And, um, and he's still like, he's still a faithful dude. He's been yeah. doing ministry for a really long time. And he's a friend now, which is oh, so cool. Yeah. Isn't that cool to think that you were in that yeah. audience and he was so formative and now like he's now a friend. Yeah. yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah, and so he's a few years ahead of me in terms of season of life. Mm-hmm. And so it's still awesome to see the dude still being faithful. He's still yeah. writing, he's still serving and loving people. So yeah. he was foundational for me. Yeah. As Anything different as an artist or just musically? Musically? Or we can pass. Uh, musically, I mean, a couple of random bands tell me Coldplay like Coldplay yeah it's like don't act like it's not <laughs> we went to the Coldplay concert in May did he cry he, he didn't cry <laughs> I literally was like he's like so giddy yes. oh so giddy and I am Jaleesa you know this about me yes I, it could have been Coldplay or it could have been Bono totally or it could have been Bono you didn't even know it was, I don't know who she asked mean. in the could've middle been. of the Coldplay show if they're gonna sing Beautiful Day and no. I'm like <laughs> Beautiful day by U2. You're like, it's a U2 song. Yeah. <laughs> it's all one big song to me. You never know. It's all one big song. One big Maybe would have sang it. Okay, Coldplay for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, a band called Sleeping at Last. Yeah. From songwriter, creative kind of standpoint. Yeah. Those are two that come to mind. Yeah. Yeah, huge for me. That's great. Oh, man. Um, for me, in terms of worship leading... Again, I wasn't following Jesus in the 90s or the early 2000s. You missed so out on some good I missed out. Like, you I'll missed be... out on people like leading worship barefoot. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. Mm-hmm. The Lord had me on that one. <laughs> There's no, I did not miss it. Nobody should barefoot. be on a stage barefoot. Never. No. You, you know we're the same about that as well. No. Oh, slippers. Oh yeah. I don't she, walk in. I don't walk from my bed to my bathroom no. without shoes on. No, me neither. No, no. It's people are like, you know what you need? Go ground yourself in the grass. Why? No. Stand on the grass with your bare feet for twenty minutes a day, and it will do good for your soul. 
And I'm they, like, that would make me so anxious. These people you don't know, know what's anything about the fire ants in Texas. <laughs> exactly. There's no freaking no way. way. Okay. It's a joke in my one more thing like, with my we friends. We're just alike. It's a joke that, like, when they're like, go, like, you know, change into something you can relax in. I'm like, I am. And it's like jeans and sneakers. And they're like, oh, Lord. I'm like, I'm totally relaxed. Yeah. Um, yeah I, so I missed all that. And so, really, this is not just because Aaron is sitting next to me, but formationally, as a worship leader, truly, I learned from you. Mm, so, thanks. I mean, my first understanding of like, what does a worship leader do and how should they do it was from attending our church and then learning alongside you. Um, And I've gotten to see you in lots of even phases of your own leadership identity. And so I really have learned so much from that. Like I really genuinely have. That's super kind. Um, And then I I wish you would have met me when I had like frosted tips. Oh, listen. And can we make sure everyone heard he said tips? (laughs) Frosted tips. (laughs) Yeah, this is an important. Because you would have been like. Enunciate. I ain't following that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. Mm -mm. um, But I've seen the videos (laughs) and the photos. We actually had the exact same hairstyle. (laughs) We did. It's even better. I I had short hair. I even had guy liner. (laughs) That's how bad it was. You would Honestly, have been like, yikes. Mm-mm. yeah, no, I would have had no but, interest in that. But it's come a long way. Again, the Lord knew because the time in which I met you, there was no eyeliner or frosted tips. No, no, no. I'd, so, I'd found Jesus. <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> things were better. Um, your style was evolving. Um, so, as a worship leader, I do consider your leadership very formative for me. Oh, thank um, you. And I've learned from songwriting uh, or about songwriting from you, all of that. Um, and then I, I think when I stepped into leading, I was like looking for women who were doing it mm-hmm. because I didn't know of any. Um, and so Stephanie Gretzinger, I just think she is phenomenal yep. as a songwriter, as a creative, like she's willing to do things in kind of like a worship Christian space that other people maybe don't feel permission to totally do. True. And the first time I saw her lead, I was like, let's go because mm. she is the tiniest person and like commands just like a room mm-hmm. of people just rallies them around yeah. the presence yes. of Jesus and I was like oh let's go like that's awesome so big fan of hers and then I think because I wasn't following Jesus early on but my instrument is my voice I was listening to Whitney and Celine yeah. and Aretha and Reba and like who had a big Reba. voice and can I sing like them and that's that was super formative for me as an artist mm. definitely yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I can see that. I can see those influences. Okay. Uh, last question. We always ask, what are you guys reading these days? Jamie wants to know. Jamie wants to know. We want to know what you're reading. I um, just got a book yesterday. So I'm in between books right now. The next one that I'm starting is mm-hmm. called Leaving Ruin. And it is a... So I was listening to some Eugene Peterson stuff. And he has a book that he wrote um, called the Letters Bible? to His Son. No. <laughs> And he talked about this book several times. He's like, this is one of the best novels I've ever read. And it's a novel um, about a true story of a minister in West Texas who ended up having like this major moral failure. And so he's leaving ruin and having Mm. to like wrestle through like, what do I, what do I do with life? How do I reconcile? And I've heard it was like just one of the most foundational books for Eugene Peterson. So if Eugene read it, I'm going to read it. it. We all want to read it. So it's sitting on my countertop right now called Leaving Ruin. What a great title. It's super obscure. Like It looks like an old old book. book. I saw it when I got home. Yeah. But that's that's what I'm digging into. That's awesome. I'll have to put that on my list. Um, I just finished, you saw me reading this this summer and I finally finished it is Forgiving What You Can't Forget, Lisa Turkhurst. People had recommended it to me multiple times. I finally picked it up and 
I thought it was so good mm. to the point where I would read it and then put it back down and think so about good. it. Wow. So it took me some time to get through it and I've used it just talking to people. I yeah. mean, it comes up all the time. Forgiveness, hello, daily yeah. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Her next book? Yes. I feel like boundaries. I am on her PR team because I talk about it all the time. Yeah. I read it earlier this spring. Uh, Good Boundaries, Goodbyes. Yes. Um, she's coming on the show in a couple of weeks and it's real. it's a great kind of follow up to that. Okay. Hmm. Really good about healthy boundaries. Yeah. Because those are hard exciting. for women. They're hard for Christian women. Yes. They're hard for women in the South. Yes. All the things. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I We just did an event with her over the summer, the three of us. And I was really impressed by her. Just yeah, she's awesome. She's awesome. She's awesome. We're big Lisa fans I, around here. Big fans. Oh my gosh, just love her. We should get t-shirts. Let's do it. We would all throw it. Lisa, Lindsay would wear one too. With her all hair, because she has yeah. such great hair. Her hair is so beautiful. Yeah. She does yeah. have good hair. She's yeah. great hair. And good style. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Can I tell you, Jaleesa, what I learned from Lisa? What? Okay, so when I was just with her, yeah. by the time we were recording this last, last week, we were doing book writing stuff. Oh, right. I walked out of there with a lot of book writing knowledge. Okay. But also, one morning I came downstairs and I heard her hair dryer growing. Oh, gosh. And then about... 10 minutes later, she walks out looking amazing. And I think to myself, and then I said out loud to her, did you wash your hair? <laughs> she said, no, I just washed the top, the bangs. Genius. I said, I'm sorry. Can you say that one more time? <laughs> she said, yeah, I just washed like the top area where it was oily. And then I blew dry that out. And I thought to myself, I mean, I got a hat on when we're interviewing because yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to wash my hair at the top. And sh- and so I left that week. Aaron's dying. I have no idea what you mean. Wait, this means. is brilliant. I know. And she said, I just put some water there and shampoo. Does and then she tie rinse back it the rest of her hair? I'll get some more information. Okay, I have questions. But yeah, that's what happened. That's so smart. And I said, thank you for your book writing knowledge. And also thank you for this tip that will now go with me until I meet Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. That's brilliant. So there you go. That's brilliant. That's okay, the name of your next book, Washing Your Bangs. <laughs> uh, okay, what else are you reading? Um, yeah, so I just finished Lisa Turker's book. And now I'm about halfway through a novel called Sharp Objects. Have you ever read it? I have. By the writer mm. of Gone Girl. Yep. It's mm. been uh, on my list for a long time. And I was in the mood for a thriller. Yeah. So have you I'm, read Gone Girl? I have not read Gone Girl. Okay. but I've seen the movie so Looks I thought looks better obviously okay, okay yeah usually is mm-hmm. and um, there's no nudity in the book oh, oh right yeah is that it, movie what's his name naked yes that movie's intense yeah, yeah. who is that uh, isn't it Ben Affleck Ben Affleck yeah it's intense yeah um, so <laughs> anyway guys careful okay. if you're gonna watch Gone Girl Just you're gonna see Ben Affleck's back parent guide that uh, Gone yeah. Girl but yeah. yeah so I'm reading Sharp Objects right now okay yeah cool. Jillian Flynn Jillian Flynn, yeah, there I was trying go. to remember her name. Yep. I've read a handful of her stuff. I went to a season I went through a season a couple years ago where I read a lot of her books. Okay, yeah. I They're might intense. be on that on that trajectory. Yeah. I've liked it so the far. The most intense thriller book I ever read, Aaron, I don't oh, know if yeah. you read it. The girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah. I've never read that. I read it. Th- don't go see the movies, you guys. No, okay. No, 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 we no. walked out of one. We walked out of one. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I mean, and like I read all three. I hate when you have to three. do that. Yeah. They're rough. Oh. They, They're rough. But they are intense and like I couldn't stop. Yeah. But you love scary movies. I love them. And also, Aaron, you know this. Jaleesa loves Halloween. Oh, it's oh, my favorite I, holiday. Are you kidding me? I know. <laughs> <laughs> she has a ghost tattooed on her arm. I do have a tattoo of a ghost. You know it's my least favorite holiday? Why? Because it's scary? No, not because it's scary. When the kids were little, <laughs> I oh, hated this the is, excess. This is unbelievable. I Listen hated to this. the like, buy me a costume. Like, talk <laughs> oh about fu- like, talk it. about fun mom over here. No costumes allowed. <laughs> <That's so sad. laughs> no, I bought costumes. She kids, wouldn't even okay. buy them a basket to put their candy in. They had listen. to take a pillowcase. <laughs> Well, hey, that's, that's, that's classic. That's, that's very classic. classic. Halloween. But listen, costumes. My kids lived in costumes when they were younger. So sure. I'm joking about that. But they would come home for trick or treating, which I remember the first time we took Caden, he was like four. Mm-hmm. And he went to the first house and got candy and he came back and he's like, okay. And then we're like, 
no, there's more. I mean, it was just like we just opened yes. up this. And yeah. the way I parented when my kids were younger is if they don't know, they don't know. Yeah. So why teach them that you put syrup on your waffles? Sure. You yeah. don't need to know that. It's that, not good for you. That would have saved me. My friend Amy, one time we went took our kids to breakfast and the kids were little and she's like, do you want syrup? And I was like, shh, shh. They don't they know. know what it is. They don't no, know. Don't syrup. tell them. She's don't like, tell them. Your kids don't know about syrup. I'm like, they don't need to know. Yeah. So anyhow, <laughs> Halloween was kind of those things, but they would come home. <laughs> this is terrible. And I would make them lay out all their candy. All their candy on all the, on the on table. The counter. And I was like, okay, guys, you can have one piece for the next 10 days. So everyone pick out 10 pieces of candy. Oh, my god. And then we're going to throw the rest away, kids. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She did. Listen, kids don't need all that candy. This is so... I've so, scarred my kids for life. So they I don't know. This. So they're like, okay, one, <laughs> two. You're, but you're doing them a favor in the long run. We're Except avoiding it always, diabetes it, out here. Yeah, yeah. But it backfires yeah. because, listen, now I have these big kids who probably, if I cleaned out their rooms when they go to college, I'm going to find stashes oh, of candy yeah. yep. in their rooms. Oh, and yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I've lost control. Everyone knows I have a sugar addiction. It started as a child. And my, my parents love to tell a story about we moved houses <laughs> and they found like old cupcakes. Oh, my, like, under my bed And candy in my drawers. It's like that. I love it. And did your parents let you have all your Halloween candy? Yeah, but it had to go in a like, container that was kind of high up and I had to get permission. But you could, <laughs> to, just, you could have it all. I could have it whenever they were like, hey, you've eaten you know, okay. your square meals for I just the day. need everyone to see that your mom allowed you to have it all. I allowed my kids to have 10 and we all turned out the same. Everything is That's fine. True. That's right. It I, all works out in the end. I also just the heard a parent told me recently that they play a game with their kids on Halloween called The Great Pumpkin. Have you ever heard no. of that? No, tell us. So she said, you know, we call it The Great Pumpkin and we teach our kids that from all the Halloween candy that they get they can give away their candy and it's a lie that the candy will go to kids who don't have candy. (gasps) Uh -uh. So she was like, I'm wrong for this, I know, but (laughs) the the thing is like, yeah, or she'll keep some of it. But the thing (sighs) is like, the more candy you give away, the more it goes to kids who don't know about candy. They don't have candy. Kids in need? Kids in need of candy. That's fraud. Yeah. (laughs) They can go to jail for that. So then her kids end up with a small, and what you get in return is like a toy. Okay. So you give away like like all of your candy and then the great pumpkin leaves a toy on the porch or a board game no, that's or a great like idea that. that part's great yeah the lying about it serving <laughs> i did ask kids her, in need i was like why are we what kids don't know about candy and right. why what's why don't they get the candy that goes away but her kids are gonna grow oh up and be like gosh. mom what if we like sent them like food or clean water <laughs> right i yeah. saw this flyer about giving kids clean water <laughs> maybe we, we should do that okay well you guys i adore you both likewise so much um Julissa, please don't ever leave us. But please, we know please, you might please. one day because there'll be bigger and better things out there for you. Mm-hmm. Um, no, there's nothing out there. <laughs> there's nothing out there. <laughs> nothing it's a out big, there. dark, scary no, world. Right. No don't grass leave us. Yeah. You know, we need to invite Julissa over to our um, house before Halloween. Have oh. you driven into our neighborhood lately? Yeah. Okay, every year, one of our neighbors sets out about 20 skeletons. Oh yeah. my gosh. On their fence. And they send out an email that's like, hey, everybody, take one skeleton and your family can dress it up. Stop. So Seriously. we plan on doing it this weekend. Oh, yeah. my gosh. That's yeah. the best. That's, that's another so thing fun. I hated about so Halloween when I had little kids as I was like, it's so scary. And yeah. my two-year-old is now afraid to drive past totally. his neighbor's house because there's a monster out there that's yes. going to eat him. Oh yes. Such a yes. mom. <laughs> I get that. Maybe when they're really little, they just pass out candy. And yeah, then when yeah, they yeah. get a little less scared, you take them around. I don't know. 
You're past that now. We're here's past some, it. Here's some parenting tips. No, we're uh, past it because Caden, I was like, we could put a suit on the skeleton and like a top hat. And then Caden's like, yeah, and I can make some fake blood and like put it all over his body <laughs> and look like he's like gory and bloody. Yes, we're like, Caden. Oh, oh okay. okay. How we could do that? Oh, that's awesome. Um, you guys, thank you so much. I know that this conversation is going to be like, it's going to be important for everyone, but I just imagine leaders in churches. Um, sitting in and mm-hmm. listen to you guys talk. And so it's been a privilege to sit here. It's a privilege to know you guys. Um, it's a joy to watch you lead the people at our church. Thanks. And our church in the city of Austin is better because of both of you. So Thank grateful. You. Thank thanks. you for coming on. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for listening to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. We are truly grateful for every single story that we get to share with you, every encouragement we get to give you, and every opportunity we get to point all of us to Jesus. If you're loving this show, we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, tell your friends. That is the number one way that people find out about our show. It's because you tell them. Join us right here every Wednesday and Friday for meaningful conversations that will make us think, they'll make us laugh, and they'll always point us back to Jesus. And come find me other places on the internet as well. I love Instagram. I'm over there at Jamie Ivy. And if you've never visited my YouTube page, you're going to want to go there. Have you ever listened to a show and wondered, I wonder what they look like? Well, go find us over there. It's jamieivy.com slash YouTube. The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy is a production of Ivy Media Podcasts. Executive produced by Jamie Ivy, produced by Lindsay Sweeney, edited by Angie Elkins, show notes by Ashley Miner, art by Jen Jet Barrett, original music by Matt Graham, and I'm your host, Jamie. Have a happy hour with a friend.